we're in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9. We have walked through eight full chapters of Hebrews and really in the last year and a half, which is really exciting. We're nearing the end of the book of Hebrews, which makes me sad, but we'll be in chapter 9 tonight, verses 1 through, through 10. I don't know if I've told you all this before. When I was real little, when I was in first grade, I was 100% convinced I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I thought to myself, this is the occupation, this is the job I'm going to do for the rest of my life. No, a student pastor was not what I was thinking in first grade in Miss Walker's class. In first grade, I was 100% convinced I was going to be a teacher. I was going to be a teacher, which in college, the first part of college, I was an education major, so I was going to be that classic teacher coach. Lord had different plans. But I was 100% convinced I was going to be a teacher. And it may not be like, oh, Dylan, do you want to invest in the youth? Oh, man, that's awesome. Man, you're really passionate about history or math? No, I'm not. As a first grader, I was passionate and convinced I want to be a teacher for one reason and one reason only. The teacher drank soda and ate snacks during the day. You all feel this? Like when you're in elementary school, you didn't get any snacks like that you could just have at your desk. You didn't get a drink, whatever drink, right? The only drink that I got uh, in elementary was after recess at the water fountain. And I'm like inhaling the water after I scored 17 touchdowns at recess. Like that was the water that I got. And I'm looking at the teacher. I'm like, she's just sipping on a Diet Coke all day, eating her combos, eating her pretzels. Like I want to eat some pretzels. I want to drink soda during the day. And I was like that. I aspired, like that's what I want, that's what I longed for. I, I said, I want that stuff available to me all day because that is all that I long and would satisfy me. Ended up, I didn't, you can just drink soda and eat snacks at whatever job you do when you grow up, or even in high school. So, shot to my one-year-old little heart there. But what we're going to talk about tonight is God's presence. We're going to talk about the tabernacle and the different parts of the tabernacle uh, within it and what it means. And you may be thinking, okay, Dylan. We've just been learning about the old priesthood. Now we're going to learn about the, you know, the, the lampstand, the Ark of the Covenant. Like, what's that got to do for me as a teenager in 2023? What we're going to see is that there's significance in each of the things within the, the tabernacle because it's dealing with God's presence. And I know as a teenage world, as Gen Z, we are all longing for something. And what I want you to know and be reminded of tonight is that God's presence is available and fulfilling. God's presence is available to you, and it will fulfill you. Let's pray as we open God's word. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the presence you give us via the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we have access because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. God, we thank you for your living and active word. Would you encourage us tonight? It's in your name we pray. Amen. The first point we're going to look at tonight is that God's presence fulfills our longing. God's presence fulfills our longing. I'll read the first couple of verses. Chapter 9. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness for a tent was prepared. The first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. You know, a couple weeks ago, you might remember, uh, I picked on freshmen and sophomores for needing rides all the time. Y'all remember that? Now, you may be a senior, like, ha, oh, those little freshmen, yeah, like, they need rides. But I want you to put yourselves in maybe some of the sophomore shoes, and I want you to think of the couple we 
weeks leading up to you getting your driver's license. Weren't those like really exciting, enticing days? Like you were longing, you were looking forward to that driver's license. And for me, my birthday, August 23rd, and I was one of the older ones in my class. So as a sophomore, August 23rd, I got my, my driver's license at the beginning of sophomore year. So like those soft, any sophomores that drive in here, right, cool cats. Like y'all are the old ones in the grade, right? You're driving. Now imagine, you know, imagine Dylan in high school, sophomore Dylan, got a bowl cut, looking great. And uh, I'm cruising up to school for the first time in my 1999 Buick Century Limited. It has some nice pleather. The radio was broken. Didn't, AC didn't work. But I was cruising up to school with some attitude, right? I was feeling good. And one of the things that we as 16-year-old boys longed for was not depending on our parents to take us to go play pickup basketball. We wanted to go and just drive ourselves. So the first thing I did on the weekend when I had my license, I went and picked up my buddies Mike and AJ and Dylan, uh, and we went and go play. We went and played basketball at our church, and that was just like the coolest thing that we just longed for. We talked about we all have a longing, but we will see in Scripture that it is only fulfilled in God's presence. That longing is only fulfilled in God's presence. Look at verse one again. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place. For holiness. And we see in verse 6, it's going to walk through some of those regulations for worship that it has. Now, we're not going to go into the nitty-gritty until verse 6. But the tabernacle was the place that God's presence dwelt. That's where he resided. That's where God's presence was. And that's why he says it was an earthly place for holiness, an opportunity for the people to commune with the Lord. Now, there were regulations on how they communed with the Lord. But listen to this, this uh, commentary. Dennis Johnson says this. God's purpose for his covenants is for people to draw near to him in worshipful engagement, offering their adoration and receiving his timely aid. Now, people in the Old Testament didn't come to the tabernacle like we come to this church, right, where we just kind of roam wherever, like some of these sixth graders are like roaming all across the building when, where they should not be, right? They're just roaming everywhere. There's rules and regulations to how the tabernacle worked. Areas that you could go in, areas that you couldn't. And if you went to the wrong areas, like stories in the Old Testament, like you died. Like if you were in the presence of God and you were unclean, you died. But we see that when we come into the presence of the Lord, we come with adoration. But we are also receiving his timely aid as a people in need of something in need of an identity, in need of comfort, in need of encouragement, that is found within the worship and presence of God. And that's key for us to know because we're all hurting in some aspect. We're all longing in some aspect of our life, whether that be popularity or being outcasted, not doing as well in things. We are longing for something, but if we remember fulfillment can only come in the presence of God, that we will be on a good track to continue to seek the Lord despite our situation. So let's look at verse 2. For a tent was prepared, the first section, in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of presence, is called the holy place. So there's two sections to the tabernacle. you got the holy place and the most holy place. You've also probably heard it as the holy of holies. We're going to talk about that here in, uh, in just a couple verses. But we're talking about the holy place, the first section of the tabernacle. So we see it contains several items. And you might be thinking, Dylan, what, the lampstand, the 
table, bread of presence? What does it have to do with me as a teenager in 2023? Well, the things in the temple, as we see, are signifying something about God's presence and why it was so holy and why it was so worthy to go and try to be around it, right? Sacrifices were made there. Let's look at some of these items and see what it tells us about our God. The first thing we see is a lampstand. And all the things in the temple you're going to see, you're going to hear if you go back to Exodus, if you go back to different parts of Scripture, you're going to see it's described as gold because there was much value in the things that were in the presence of the Lord. It was a lampstand made of gold. And obviously in the word you can think lamp. It's a, what do you think a lampstand does? It lights the room. And that was the purpose of the lampstand, to light the room. Well, there's significance to that, right? There's priests that would tend to that lampstand so that it would never go out, that the lamp was always lighting, it was always lit, with the, and they'd make sure the oils are there, that it continues to do so. But this is alluding to Christ being the light of the world. John 1, 9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and that's Jesus. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That we are in the presence of God. God is lighting the way in which we should go. Right? There's darkness all around us, but Jesus is the light of the world in which we cling to, in which we follow. So we see within the presence of God, he lights our way. He points us to the Savior in which we are in need. We also see the bread of presence. And this bread of presence would be put out every Sabbath by the priest. And we see again in the New Testament, in the Gospels, in John, that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Because his, we, we talk about it in the Lord's Supper every time we do it. His body broke for us. He gave his body so that we might have a relationship and have eternity with him. That he gave his body. So it's a representation of the presence and the body of Christ. In which was broken for us. Was crucified. Was beaten. For us. So we see inside the presence of the Lord. When we enter into the presence of the Lord. It is one that is warm and welcoming. It is sacrificial on our behalf. It sustains us. We're going to look a little bit more of that. When we get into the Holy of Holies. Of how the Lord continues to sustain us. Verse 3, behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, the holy of holies. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold in which was a golden urn beholding the manna, and Aaron's staff that budded in the tablets of the covenant. So we see the second section, which is huge veil, this huge curtain is in between, and at the entrance of it is this uh, is this uh, golden altar of incense. And you think of just an aroma. In, in college, we went to, uh, we had this class where we went to a bunch of worship uh, different areas in St. Louis since we were so close. So we went to a mosque, we went to a synagogue, we went to like this Eastern Orthodox, super fascinating trip, super fascinating getting to see all those different things. But this Eastern Orthodox, their priests, they would go down the aisles with like these shakers of the incense and they'd just like, shaking them everywhere, and we're kind of like, it's all in our face, it's smelly, we're like, I don't smell very good, and that thing popped me in the mouth, popped me in the nose, I was like, what in the world, like, I'm eating it now, like, this, there's so much in the room, but when you think of entering to the presence of God, it, 
it's something that is different. It's something that's holy. And, there, and in that, there's a smell to it, an aroma. And I think even in Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So with the gold, golden altar of incense, this holy aspect where it is a different area that Christ is an aroma, a fragrant offering for us. We also see the Ark of the Covenant. And we've heard about stories in the Ark of the Covenant being stolen and people touching it uh, when they're not clean and they like instantly die. Like it's a big deal, the Ark of the Covenant. And within the Ark of the Covenant were three different things. Number one was a golden urn holding manna. And if you think of the Israelites, when they're freed from slavery and they're in the wilderness, they don't have any food, the Lord provided for them. And he provided manna. And it was manna for that day. It was food for that day that they could have that they needed. They couldn't take it in tomorrow, but it, they had what they needed for that day. Is that not a testament to what we do when we go to the Lord each and every single day in our quiet time saying, Lord, I need you today. Give me what I need to get through today and honor you in all that I do. In the presence of the Lord, he sustains us, and he sustains us even in the wilderness. Even when it seems like there's no luck coming my way, or there's nothing good coming down the pipe for me, just like the Israelites thought. The Lord sustains us with his presence, because he is a kind Lord. We also see Aaron's staff that budded. Now, there's at one time when Aaron's priesthood was being challenged, God caused Aaron's rod to bud and to grow ripe almonds overnight. This miracle reaffirmed that the privilege of being chosen as high priest only came through God's appointment. Therefore, within the Ark of the Covenant, within the presence of God, it is affirmation of him being the Lord over all. And that when he appoints that high priest, it is backed by the creator of the world. And we know that we have the greater high priest king, and his name is Jesus, and one we can trust, and one who sacrificed for us. The third thing we see is the tablets of the covenant, which Moses received on Mount Sinai. And within those covenants, it guided the Israelites, it guided the people to walk in a way that they should to honor the Lord. Within the God's presence, which we remember we see in verse chapter 8, verse 10, halfway through, I will put my laws into their minds, I will write them on their hearts, I will be their God and they shall be my people, that God has poured out his word into us made it available for us to be guided. When we go to God's presence every single time, he will guide us in a way that honors him. So we're, we're seeing all these different things and like, what's their meaning? We can we deduct all of these things within the presence of God. It fulfills our longing to be sustained, to be known, to be valued, to be loved. I don't know what's coming down the pipe. I don't know what next semester holds, but I know God is lighting my way. He is sustaining me through it, and he is guiding me through it. And obviously we see the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat, and the mercy seat would be the place of sacrifice. And we know the ultimate and true sacrifice is Jesus Christ. And in the presence of God, we can know that we can boldly approach the throne of grace because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. There is fulfillment in the presence of God. My question to us, are we chasing trivial, trivial pursuits instead of the presence of God? Because there's two different outcomes. One is being unfulfilled and one is being filled. God fulfills your longing in 
of his presence. Are you in his presence each and every single day? So we see that it, it fulfills our longing. But my second point and last point is that God's presence is personally available. God's presence is personally available. Now, you all probably know this name because he's a member here at Coral Springs Baptist Church. His name is James Lankford. James Lankford is a U.S. Senator for the United States of America, obviously within the name of U.S. Senator. Uh, and for a long time, especially if you were a sophomore, junior, senior, y'all were in middle school when him and his wife were the middle school directors for Connect Groups, if you guys remember that. And I remember I came on staff and not being from Oklahoma, I didn't know who he was, and I was like, oh, well, this dude's kind of like a big deal. Like this dude's, wait, he's, he's helping out in middle school ministry? Like this important dude in the government, he's helping out in middle school? Like has he seen these people, right? It's like these guys, him and his wife have, and his family, our servants of the Lord, I love them. I look at James as a mentor because there's times y'all go to class and I'm asking James questions. He's available for me. Hey, what, do you, what about this leadership question? Hey, what do you think about this in youth ministry? And he's answering these questions. And the biggest testament uh, to his, uh, his love for the Lord and love for, uh, for this church, me and Brittany in 2019, we went on this huge East Coast trip where we went to Boston and New York and Philly and D.C., and we're hanging out, seeing all these sites. And we had planned, it was on a Monday, uh, to go visit the, the Senate. And we'd go visit James, and he'd give us a tour and see all the White House, all those kinds of things. Well, we get into his office, and James is flying in that day because he flies you know, from here to D.C. every week uh, to be home, serve, be with his family. Well, he flies in, and we're sitting in his office, which you've ever been there. Like, it's just a really cool Oklahoma theme, like just really fancy, cool office. Well, we go in, James sits down, he's like, oh yeah, hey, welcome. Hey, by the way, you had two middle school boys visit. Uh, one was a guest and one was a cousin of this guy, and they go to Summit Middle School. And I'm just kind of sitting there, I'm like, we're in Dagum, Washington, D.C. Dude's in this powerful seat, and he's talking to me, because I had missed that Sunday because we were on the trip. And he's talking to me about middle school visitors, sixth grade boys visiting. One thing I really appreciate about James Lankford is that he was available. And availability speaks a lot to millennials, and it speaks a lot to Gen Z. If people are available to you, your trust goes way up with them. Am I right? When someone is available to you, your trust goes up with them. Well, the awesome thing is we don't live in the Old Testament days where we can't enter into the Holy of Holies, and we can't. We have to wash our feet and our hands in a certain way to be able to go through, right? We now have access, personal access to the presence of God each and every single day. Well, how is that? Let's look in verse 6 through 10 of how kind of God breaks this down. Verse 6, these preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. So what are some of these duties? What are some of the things? It was what we were talking about in a couple of verses earlier. They were replenishing the oil in the lampstand so that it would remain burning. They replaced the bread of the presence and they would burn the incense twice a day at the entrance of the Holy of holies. This is what the priest did, but in verse 7, but into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and the unintentional sins of the people. Only the high priest, only the big dog could go into the holy of holies, but he could not go in there without sacrifice because he was unclean, right? He's just like you and me, he's unclean. So he had to take a sacrifice for himself like we've been talking about every week. And then he had to take a sacrifice for the people, for the sins of the people. 
right? He was the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies. Again, foreshadowing, right, this sacrifice that made the people clean in the Holy of Holies, foreshadowing Christ is the one that makes us clean, not temporarily, not annually, but eternally. Verse 8. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. It cannot perfect the worshiper in this context, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. The Holy Spirit was indicating that these spaces, the Holy of Holies, was not open until the first, that veil was torn. I mean, we, we, we heard that one before, the veil was torn. Let's look at Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. It is because the death of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, that we, being separated by our sin, now can be made one with the Lord. That we can now approach the Lord in a relationship. That we can now be with the Lord for eternity, but every day the, t- the veil was torn from top to bottom. That entrance to the Holy of Holies was no more. We are no longer separated by any kind of regulation into the Spirit of God. But we now all have personal access because if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you surrender and said, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and you've accepted the Lord, you now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now think about it, switch back, holy of holies, that's where the presence of God is. But now, we have the presence of God living inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. This means we now have direct access to God. Now, this isn't just, oh, we have direct access to God on Sundays and Wednesdays. It says, no, we have direct access to God at all times. But what does that mean? That means we have access to our identity. We have access to being guided from the Lord. We have access to be sustained by the Lord. Right? That we talk about getting in the Word so you can be fed. One of the things in the student ministry is we want you to be able to feed yourself through God's word. We now have access to be sustained to the Lord any day that we want. But how often do we turn to the trivial pursuits of this world to satisfy our longing for identity, for our worth, for popularity? We search this world over and over and over to fulfill our desires. And the way God has designed you, the way that God has designed this world, you will only be satisfied within the presence of God. But the good news, it's available to you. It fulfills you, but it's also available. So if you're not a a Christian tonight, as the band comes up, you're not a believer, 
I want you to know that this promise of presence, this gift of presence, this gift of being sustained, this gift of being made right with the Lord is available to you tonight. All you would need to do is identify that, yes, I am a sinner. I'm broken because of my sin. And sin separates me from God. But it is through the death and resurrection of Jesus that I've been made right with him. Now I can enter into his grace. You simply acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He'll save you right now. If you're a believer in this room, if you have a relationship with Jesus, are you accessing the presence of God? Is that a priority in your life, to be within the presence of the Lord? To submit yourself to his presence each and every single day, not because you have to, not out of duty, but out of delight. Because you know you find sustenance, you find identity, you find guidance and wisdom within his presence. Praise Jesus that we have access to that. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you for what he opens up up to, that we get your presence each and every single day. God, may we never lose sight of that. May we never lose sight of what you are doing in our life and what you want to do through us if we would just abide and remain in your presence. God, for those tonight that don't know you, I pray that they would be enticed, that they would hear these words of Scripture. They would hear as we sing of your goodness. We hear the words that we sing and glorify you, that they would be interested in making that next step. God, would you guide us? into a deeper relationship with you. And God, would you set this place ablaze with your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.